Resonate is a community that loves like Jesus, and we want you to experience that with us together. So I want to encourage you to tune into this online broadcast each and every week or attend our weekly gatherings in Sherwood at 10 a.m. You also can join in on one of our community groups that meet during the week either here at the church building or in homes. So to find out more about our community or give to our ministry financially, please visit our website at ResonateLife.org. We are currently in a series called A Priest and a Physicist Walk into a Bar. And today's sermon is titled Free Will. Now, this is a pretty heady series. And some of you after last week were probably thinking, is this the way that he always preaches? <laughs> and the answer is no, this is not the way I always, pre always preach. Although I find the information and material that I'm covering in this series incredibly interesting and useful. And people can find themselves into the church with such things as I'm preaching on science and religion. And I find that very important. If people can find themselves their way to God through this, this means, it's incredibly pur purposeful. I like to get into ideas and people's questions and sort through doubts and hopefully help people find themselves in Christ. So I think it's time for us as Christians that instead of us demanding that the world fit into every narrow box that we could drum up, that we would begin to open Christianity up to accept and do the hard work to find Christ in the mysterious places, in the not-so-common places, in the extraordinary places, even in the science places. So there's a problem that I mentioned this week to some of my pastoral friends that we need to rectify as Christians and figure some things out. 30% less Americans go to church than they did 25 years ago. Now, some of us can kind of attribute that to generational growth. Yet this just proves again, if we attribute it to generational growth, that the church is not reaching new people like it needs to. So part of this decline is there is a large percentage of people that have stopped going to church because they don't see Christianity compatible with reality. And I would say the last couple of years, that's going to exponentially increase. And one of those realities that people are not able to find compatibility with is science, as Christians can't find compatibility with, is science. So this sermon series is designed to show that Christianity is, combati is compatible with science. It doesn't have to be combating. So we have to start communicating to our friends, to our family members, to the people around us, to our surrounding community, and to our world, that you don't have to check your mind in at the door when you become a Christian. Because Luke 10, 27, this is our signature verse. He, re he responded, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength. This is the greatest commandment, right? And with all your mind, he says, and love your neighbors yourself with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind. The part of that that we don't do well and we do the least of is the mind. We don't think a lot of times. We do check our minds at the door when we walk into the church a lot of times. But thinking is good. And we worship the Lord when we think with integrity, when we think with honesty and boldness and deeply, when we think deeply and intelligently, we honor the Lord. And we think with correct information, we honor God. That's a form of worship. So when we put the quest for truth above our own personal preference, I believe that is when we truly honor God. 
So finding the space to separate our strong belief systems from actual reality that is presented to us could be a life-giving experience. We could finally be living in a sense of truth. So Christians battling science and pretending like they have a handle on the truth of, of, let's say, data makes us look foolish because experts are daily analyzing things that show realities, yet because it threatens some age-old understanding of something that I have, it certainly couldn't be true to me, right? But even if the evidence presents itself stronger than the age-old principle we, we put so much faith in, we deny that evidence, we deny that truth, whether it be medicine, the age of the earth, psychological science, or even the shape of our planet has for centuries threatened Christians for some reason as a weapon to remove Jesus from the equation. And that simply does not need to happen. So today, I'm going to be looking at some arguments against what is called the naturalistic worldview. And some people term it naturalism. Now, I might be speaking in a way that is very wordy, very heady, very maybe in a realm that some of you don't think in. I just find this important and one piece of the bigger picture of religion and science that I believe can help us down this road of finding science and religion to be compatible in the same room. So this naturalism or this naturalistic worldview, it's defined as the idea or belief that only natural laws and forces the idea of a belief that only natural laws and forces, as opposed to supernatural or spiritual ones, operate in the universe. So it is the conviction that only the physical world is real. And it's the belief that every event that happens can be explained by something else in the universe. So therefore, you never need to appeal to the supernatural explanation. So the system is rigid and closed. And everything inside the system is closed off. The physical world is only run by cause and effect, which in the methodology of things is necessary. But in the reality of things, there's so much more than just a closed system. So naturalism assumes that everything is determined by natural causes and effects and can be reduced down to molecules in motion only. There's no outside forces that are possible. So ultimately, it is the view that matter is all there is, and matter acts upon matter, and is reduced to chemicals in reaction. So everything that you're seeing, everything that you're feeling, everything that you're hoping for, it's all a chemical reaction. So the naturalistic worldview is often called the scientific worldview. And that is what gives people the impression that science, because it's a closed system and doesn't allow for the supernatural, it's opposed to faith. Well, they think that the scientific worldview is a godless worldview and closed to anything, just even internal or external, that could be a force upon nature. They equate science to this and conclude that the two must be at war with one another. So I want to clean some things up first, which I believe is a misunderstanding. First and foremost, science is not a worldview. As my friend Tara, who's a biologist, would say, science is a method. It's, it's a process. And actually, science emerged out of the Christian worldview. 
So Christians believed that the world was created from a rational God and a creation that has structure to it. Humans were made in the image of this rational God, and so it was the conviction of, of God creating everything that made them curious about the rational structure of nature. It, it made them curious to the point of starting to explore down a scientific method. So they begin to learn that nature operated on mathematical principles. And when you learned those principles, there were certain things that you could replicate and control and use for your advantage in those principles. So those early Christian scientists, who were all Christians, stumbled upon this methodology. That we will never appeal to supernatural explanations. Because for every physical cause, there is a physical effect. And the physical cause is a natural cause created by a previous physical effect. And so the assumption is all the world is an effect and cause relationship. They came up with this methodology not because they didn't believe in God or angels or demons or salvation. They came up with this methodology so that they could never refuse to stop looking for natural explanations for natural causes and natural effects. Because the moment that you say God did this, that ends our discovery. We just attribute it to God. God's in the gap, right? So the scientific method does not include appeals to supernatural entities because it's a method. It is what it is. And it only appe appeals to what can be broken down into smaller parts, torn down into cause and effect relationship. So the soul, spirit, the Holy Spirit, angels, God, Jesus, demons, the resurrection, whatever miracle or supernatural idea that we talk about can't be talked about in the scientific method. It doesn't say you can't believe in those things. It's just outside of the parameters and the boundaries of the methodology. It's restricted to the natural world. And when you ask the natural world mathematical questions and get back mathematical answers, the scientific method works and very well, to the point that I believe it's helped us so well that we've advanced our technology and our understanding and our science and our experiments and the, the proof of things, the advancement of medicine. It, it, it is so incredible and so almost, we would say, miraculous in its methodology that I believe it's become a worldview for some. So the supernatural lays outside the domain of science, and some believe that if it lays outside the domain of science, science, it's such a worldview, it lays outside the domain of reality. Because when you turn this into a worldview, then science defines reality. And when you subscribe to this, you make an assumption that everything that is real can be analyzed according to science. And if it can't be analyzed according to science like a supernatural being, then that's outside of reality which means everything that is real can be broken down into smaller and smaller parts, breaking things down to cause and effect reality. And that reductionism analyzes everything according to these parts and how they define reality. And therefore, there's no reason for God, right? So the statement that everything can, though, can fit in the scientific method is not a scientific statement. That is not even, even true when you talk about the supernatural world can't fit in the scientific method. So science being a worldview instead of a methodology is a metaphysical idea. And as long as you stick to the scientific method, then there is no conflict with Christianity. Yet here's some ideas that I want to give us that do conflict out of this naturalistic worldview or naturalism. And the first one is determinism. And we're going to spend our time 
today talking about determinism. Determinism is the scientific worldview idea, which now is a false look, right? But it's a scientific worldview idea that every cause has a single effect and every effect has a single cause. Well, quantum physics tells us now that every cause has multiple effects and vice versa. So, so that's a different subject, I guess. But, but there's actually a deterministic worldview that has infiltrated the scientific discipline as well. And this determinism is the philosophical view that all events are determined completely by previous existing causes. Well, I want to take a moment and watch a video. Now, because of copyright reasons, I can't post this on our channel. So if you're watching this online, then I'm going to go ahead and we're going to pause and we're going to give you the link inside the info section of this video. We want you to pause the video and look at this, this link that talks about determinism from a deterministic worldview perspective. So go ahead and pause the video and listen to that other video now. So that is the idea of determinism, which sounds like a good idea, yet this means that nothing can exist outside of the scientific method. So there's no free will because there's one effect for every cause and one cause for every effect. Therefore, if all beliefs and temperaments are a result of a chemical process or a cause, then there is no moral responsibility. There's no choice which then there's no moral responsibility, then there's no accountability. And if there's no re moral responsibility, no accountability, then really there's no sin. And if there's no sin, there's no need of a savior. There's no need of Jesus. There's no need of the cross and the resurrection. So does science require us to adhere to physical determinism as a true subject? Because on the surface, it looks like we have to. We have to subscribe to determinism is true. And everything is caused by one domino falling and the next domino and the next domino by a previous domino, et cetera, et cetera. So, so what do we do with that? Well, here's some problems that I think that determinism in and of itself, I can break that down and show you that determinism in and of itself is problematic. So we don't have to subscribe to it as true. We can find a different path that I believe is more true. So determinism first confuses the scientific method with the scientific worldview. Determinism is more of a philosophy. It's a, it's, a, it's a more of a philosophy of ideas versus a method. So it makes sense that science would say that we are going to look for a single cause for every effect and every effect a single cause. That is good because you want to see how far you can follow that trail to the next domino, to the next domino. You'll never know until you rule out. And, and, and if, you, if you rule out appealing to the supernatural in the process, you just continue down the natural process because the supernatural doesn't need to be involved in the natural process. The method is fine. The challenge is when you take the restrictions of the method and you apply it to everything. You apply it to the whole world and the whole universe and you apply it to all of the philosophy of the whole world and the universe and everything within it and outside of it. So if something does not appeal to the supernatural, then the supernatural must not exist according to determinism. And this is the assumption that is irresponsible to make because when you apply 
a finite method developed with a finite brain to an infinite being with an infinite intelligence, it doesn't make sense. So Jesus refutes determinism. Just in a few statements that he makes, he holds people accountable. He calls people to choices. He proclaims a free agency over people. So in Luke 13, 34, it says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who were sent to you, how often have I wanted to gather your people just as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you didn't want to. So you didn't want to means that human beings, even though God wills something or wants something, human beings cannot want it. They don't have to want it, and it doesn't necessarily happen just because God wants it. Human beings have a free agency. So God is not a course of God and makes things happen because, and just because you want it or don't want it, God makes something happen outside of your wants or, or your not wants. You, you see this all the time in the Gospels, explicit and implicit, that determinism is not a character of God. So in Luke 7.30, it says, but the Pharisees and the legal experts rejected God's will for themselves because they hadn't been baptized by John. So they rejected God's will for themselves. God had a will, therefore people have the power to say no to God. So the ministry of Jesus in and of itself refutes determinism. I read that in the Bible as God created me, God created you as free will people. So we have a being and an ability to make choices and to have a preference and determine some things of our own will that sometimes is against God's will. So God says, do it. And I say, don't do it. I don't want to. So that shows me that determinism, Jesus tells us that that is just not a reality. So our, conscious, our consciousness, because we're conscious, it refutes determinism. Not only does Jesus refute determinism, but I can just within myself and my own brain refute determinism. So you know that a fundamental existence of being human is to make decisions and to take responsibility, if you're a responsible person, if you take res- and, and take responsibility to, to the decisions. That's a human existence thing. Anything less is an unexplainable reality. To say something doesn't exist, like my choices don't exist, I'm just, and I'm, I'm going to philosophically dismiss that I'm making choices, that doesn't explain anything. So how does matter become self-aware? My brain matter becomes self-aware to the point that I make choices? Because I can make choices. I can do things and not do things because I determine this is good for me and that's not good for me. So where does that self-awareness, where does that consciousness come from? How does the brain and chemicals produce self-awareness? I can see brains and chemicals working in my brain, but the scientific method has not shown us that that produces self-awareness and what produces self-awareness. So this is what I know. Self-awareness or my consciousness is one slice of my existence that I have total access to. Our consciousness helps us make choices, which creates an interdependent existence that requires free will. To be made aware means that I'm aware that I make choices and know that I'm free. And if this is unquestionable, then determinism, whether it be theological or physical, is definitely questionable. So my consciousness and my ability to make fr- have free will and make choices is one of the main reasons why I'm, I'm not a Calvinist, number one, but also I leave room and open to the supernatural. 
It's one of the reasons why I believe that God exists in partnership with human beings that God created. So determinism tells me that even though we think we make free decisions, mental states are brain states and biological states, which are physical states, which are determined states. And within this naturalistic worldview framework, consciousness is described as like an epiphenomenal illusion, right? It's a, a mirror of some other reality that we kind of adopt in. It would suggest that we think that we have free will, but ultimately, since we're determined beings, that's an illusion. Free will is, is an illusion. It's just chemical firings and chain reactions leading to other chain reactions back to the Big Bang and really... We're just determined to have these thoughts through chemical reactions based on other chemical reactions, and nothing really is a choice. That makes no sense to me. So the argument, and, and the video makes no sense to me that we just listened to. So the argument is that our feelings of free will is a result of hidden deterministic causes such as belief, desire, temperament, and more, just chemical reactions. Given the flow of the universe, things had to be the way that they are in my brain, and everything and anything in it is simply a victim to dominoes falling before me? That just doesn't sound like a philosophy, a worldview, or even a methodology even that I could even subscribe to. Because ultimately, if everything is determined, and everything is the way that it is without my own control or my own choice, then I'm just a victim at that point, not held responsible for any of my choices. And me being held responsible is just a complete illusion. So to assume that a human scientific inquiry is the only approach to the gaining of knowledge ignores the finite ability of our brains. And when you ignore the finite ability of our brain, you actually are not open to more than your own brain can contain or require, acquire. So beauty, love, hope, faith, spirit, God, salvation, Jesus, the things that I would say are realities are not within the restriction of a method. And if we just restrict just to the method and there's no room for beauty, there's no room for really true love that is the choice to love, then why am I in any relationship? Why do I find anything satisfying? Why do I even believe? That is incredibly sad to me and not life-giving at all. I would, I would hate to live that existence. So why would nature produce beings that have to act or, or fake a way through life that's in conflict to reality in which life speaks? We have to act as though we are conscious and free like a show, yet really we're not conscious and free. That, that, that makes no sense to me. So if that made no sense to you, it's because determinism refutes reason. First, you have to use reason to, to get to determinism, which doesn't make sense in and of itself. But if my mental processes are determined wholly by just atoms in my brain crashing into one another, chemical processes... I have no reason to believe that my beliefs are true or any thoughts that I have are true or real. And hence, I have no reason for supposing that my brain is just any more composed of a set of atoms and I'm not accountable for anything that I do. So according to the naturalistic worldview, everything is a chemical reaction. Everything. Chemical reactions have no truth value then. So I farted. And if I farted, you would not look at me and say, is that fart true? 
I mean, I guess you could philosophically, but my thinking right now and my behavior and everything that's coming out of me right now, right, is just a chemical reaction. So my conclusion is my, my behavior, even my thinking right now, has no truth value. See, you don't argue for the truth of a sneeze. You don't argue for the truth of a thunderstorm. But the challenge with the argument here is what I'm doing right now is just a complex version of a thundercloud or a fart. And that's just crazy thinking. So my thinking right now has no truth value. Therefore, even the scientific thoughts that I've had have no truth value. Well, the reality here is the falseness of the conclusion is required to argue for the truth of the conclusion. And this is just a refuting statement, a self-cyclical refuting statement. So our thoughts must have truth value. We must have more than a group of chemicals acting upon our brain to create thoughts, which, which is, is within our control. It's within our choice making. It's within our own determination, our own free will agency. But if determinism is true, then we can never know if determinism is true because it's determined. So determinism threatens a lot. And determinism threatens even our knowledge and even all of science and even all of philosophy and theology and psychology. It, det it Determinism threatens even purpose um, because it says everything is by chance. So you can either believe that things are placed by purpose or they're just there by chance with no design. But I believe that the higher level of order of things, the less it's plausible by chance. So the more order we see in the world, the more valid it is to attribute that order to a designer. So if you see something that is created and you determine that there's a mind behind the creation, that means you believe the same. It's there by purpose. It makes sense that it's there by purpose behind, there's a purpose behind the design and the designer. What doesn't make sense is if we determine that something is there by chance, then the truth you conclude of that chance doesn't make sense and could just be false conclusions. Nothing makes sense at that point. Things happening by chance don't have to communicate ultimately a truth. So if you're listening to me right now, and that listening is just a set of chemical reactions in my brain that's developed through chance, those chemical reactions have no truth, even though it's communicating truth in your brain. And if we just exist by chance and the truth value in those chemicals just exist by chance, you can't rely on even anything true in your brain going on. So we have purposeful thoughts and not all things are random. Things are not just there by chance. They're there by purpose. Even the God things that we see that are created, they're there by purpose. Even what I do and not do based on my free will and my choice and free agency I put things in place, and that's not random either. And based on these ideas, I can conclude first that the science, that science, scientific methodology is a discipline. It's a process that can lead me to a lot of truths that I can conclude and make a choice in my brain about the natural world. But science is not God and God is not science. Science is not a worldview. Determinism worldview is not a reality. So the supernatural works outside of the constraints of these methodologies. And both can coexist because we have a conscience and we have a, a consciousness and can make choices and we have free will. Let's pray together. 
Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for creation. Thank you for who you are, God. Lord, you've put all these things in place around us through a process and a methodology and things have, have grown into because of natural law. Thank you for the things that we see around us that are beautiful and wonderful and sometimes unexplainable. Lord, thank you that you've given us the free choice to love, the free choice between right and wrong, that not all things are just determined by chance and, and just because they happened. Thank you for the purpose that we have in life, the purpose to love you and to love others in a very real way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.